Hello and welcome to Whispers in the Wind, a podcast where your story has a voice. Today I'm with the amazing Laura Jury, a founder of the theatre group The South Devon Players. In this episode, we explore her story about how she overcame trials to achieve her dream life rooted in theatre. We explore how she carried on thriving through some of the pitfalls of the industry whilst managing her experiences of racism and isolation which started when she was only a child. This is her story. What is your story? Um, so, on, on a personal level... Um... I've always lived down here in South Devon, which is absolutely, it's a beautiful place to live in with the countryside and the coast and and, and a, a slower way of living. And it's all, all very nice. Um, I've also always wanted from as far back as I could remember um, to get involved in theatre and acting and performance. And that's where there's a bit of a challenge because there's not an awful lot down here. And um, there are some very good amateur groups, but when you want to make a career out of it, that's where you can hit a glass ceiling. And when when you're looking at um, working further out of the area or connecting further out of the area, there can be very interesting reactions. And a lot of um, creative people down here have experienced the same. And the old saying down here in Devon, is that so many people believe that there's no professional theatre or performance west of Bristol. And that is very much the case with outside views of it. In fact, um, I was backstage doing something um, in London a few years ago. And a member of the stage crew asked me where I was from. And I said, oh, I'm up here from Devon. And they said, are there actors in Devon? I thought you were all farmers and druids. (laughs) And I thought that summed up the mindset perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so there, there is a lot of stereotyping um, with regard to regional theatre, not being as high quality, not being professional, not being serious that you have to contend with. Um, So yeah, that, that's one of the really big challenges. Right. Let's, let's actually start at the beginning. When did you actually fall in love with theatre in its entirety, in its core? Now, now this is the, one of the really funny questions. Loads of people ask me that. And I always say, I can't tell you, because it's always just been something that I've naturally gravitated to and wanted to do, right back as far as I can remember. And that, But no, no there's, there was never a particular point where I suddenly decided. It was always just there. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about your childhood here. What I want to talk about is, um, as someone who is of mixed heritage, has autism, and was, I guess, in a way, maybe had more challenges in understanding who they were in in growing up and everything, uh, how was life as a child for you? How was your childhood? In some ways, with with regard to that, it could be quite confusing. So um, I went to primary school for about a year. And I, I never understood why I was always the naughty child, the difficult one, or I'd get, or if one of the other children had done something, I'd be the one told off. I n- never understood it. In, in the end, Mum took me out and homeschooled me, and that was really the best thing that happened on that. Um, so 
re- really, and at that age, it just made absolutely no sense as to what was going on, and I, I couldn't understand what I'd done. Um, honestly, I didn't really bother about race or anything like that. I'd not seen anyone who wasn't white for many years as a child. It was only sort of much later on, on a bus, I think, if if I remember rightly. So I knew I knew people of other colours existed, but I didn't, you know, and, and it was something that wasn't really a conscious thing for me. I, I wasn't paying attention to it. I, there, there was a very odd incident. Um, that, well, it was odd to me then. Um, I was on the bus, and I've, I've always liked fresh air and lots of breezes and that. I don't like um, enclosed spaces, so I wanted the window on the bus open. And there was a couple there that got very, very angry with me, particularly, that I wanted the window open, and they were shouting at me. And then, and mum was explaining, that, bearing in mind this is in the 1980s, um, that, oh, they're from South Africa, they do things differently there, so they think you need to have the window closed. You know, and you need to do what they say. And I said, "Well, why? Why are they more important than I am?" You know. And later on, I discovered it was because of certain racial issues that existed in South Africa at the time, and they were here on holiday. Mum explained to me, so they weren't used to things here. So it, it was things like that that I, I sort of never understood as a teen, as an adult. I understood why, but at that age. I was as confused as anything. Yeah. So I ended up, um, other than my interests and acting that, being very much a child who kept to myself. So, in in fact, um, some people locally um, at one point did call social services on mum, saying, well, why isn't Laura going out playing with other children? And mum was like, she doesn't want to and then the social workers who came to visit asked um asked me and i said no i don't want to you're not going to make me everyone's different in that respect that's that's really cool i mean i guess i talking from my own experience i I love my alone time i still do i still love sort of being with myself and in my own space i i think it's there's a sense of meditation in there where you're just happy you're relaxed and I can understand that. Not everyone is outgoing. It's fine. No, I mean, I can be. I can be. And and that, but I also need a lot of time for me. And as as an adult, that often involves going off on long country walks, cliff walks, going out to really remote beaches and area and just getting away from it all. I'll have my work because I'm also a workaholic. So... With with the advent of mobile phones and that, I've got the internet with me. I've got everything with me, but it's just I can work on it and enjoy also enjoy the peace. So if that was your childhood. How was life sort of more into the teenage years? I decided to do drama at college in my late teens. Um, I found that a lot of people, unfortunately, were looking at it as an easy option, as opposed to something to actually train for as work and I got very very frustrated with that and I ended up leaving I spent a year sort of floating around um on the dole just wondering what to do with myself and then I decided well at that point I'd been put off acting because of how the college course was but I wanted to be involved in something creative so I managed to get a place at um, a regional university doing film and tv production so I went off and did that and 
while I was doing that, I got pulled back into doing theatre, and then I never looked back. So when I finished, um, I wasn't very well, um, and I'd moved back to Brixham. And then I was involved in some local amateur theatre, and I met some other people in the pub from the same theatre group, and we were all complaining that there was nothing to do professionally in the area, and we were all getting very fed up. And we we had quite a few meetings sort of just complaining about this, sitting there over drinks, wishing our lives away. And then we were very, very drunk one evening, and I said, well... We can either sit here and complain for the rest of our lives, or we can do something about it. And what about starting up our own theatre company? Well, I, born of a very drunken idea, that's how South Devon Players started with four of us. And um, yeah, we've we've been going ever since. That was seventeen years ago now. Um, so yes, we've we have our ups and downs and struggles and. On the whole, it's growing absolutely brilliantly. The the talent down here, the hidden talent, is absolutely amazing. It's brilliant. And, you know, we get people, some people who've moved down here for various reasons and then found no theatre, nothing to get involved in, and then they've suddenly um, found us and had a whole new lease of life. We've also got people who are absolutely new to acting um, come, stepping in for the first time. And... It's a total range of ages and backgrounds, and it's really coming together so well now. So, yeah, that's 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 it in a major nutshell, basically. Okay, that's amazing. I mean, um, for your own theatre company, what kind of theatre do you create? When, when we started, um, one of the first things we decided is what we were going to focus on. Now, we wanted to do something that wouldn't stand on the toes of theatre groups. I include amateur, professional, everything. We didn't want to stand on toes locally. We wanted to do something that was our own within that. And we also then looked at the interests of the people starting it. And that very much centred around um, history, classical literature and that type of thing. And to be fair, most of the amateur groups either do musicals, Rodgers and Hammerstein's type things, a panto once a year, that sort of thing. So we found that what we were interested in doing was actually a whole new niche anyway. And so so, so that was kind of the decision. Um, very early on, we started initially with just local history to get interest up. Then we found ourselves expanding into wider national and European literature as well, which is absolutely fine because things grow and they change. Um, we then, for quite a few years, we've toyed with the idea of having a spin-off arm where we've got um, professional training for actors and performers. We've experimented a couple of times and it's failed. And then this year, we were able to get some grant funding in conjunction with a local theatre. So we're now running monthly training classes down there. We've decided it's probably not going to be something for the summer because people want to go off and do other things in the summer, especially down here. But we're going to have a winter school every year. So the wow. education arm's linking up and we're also linking with schools and universities in the region as well. So we're, so we're now expanding that education side and having two arms of the organisation. 
That's amazing. So it's like the Winter Wonderland of acting then, in a way. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Because uh, I was actually looking at something and I saw one of the cores uh, for your company, your theatre company, the South Devon Players. And uh, I've got it here, actually. It goes, uh, to showcase and develop the wonderful talents of regional Southwest performers at all stages of their careers and experience to local, national and international audiences while providing local people, regardless of past experience or demographic identities, with local opportunities to develop and grow careers in theatre. I think it's amazing because you're, you're giving access to everyone in this art form. And what I've noticed is you are a uh, multi-award winning theatre company. I've seen it. You've won the Bricks Award 2019, you won the 2019 Long Island Awards. Um, so, you know, this, this um, core... Would you say that is the fundamental reason for your success as a theatre company? We've we've got a really tight core. It's changed over the years, I have to say. The, the core does, it develops and changes a bit, you know, over the years. But th there is a really strong, tight core of people within the group. And then we have people that come in um, maybe for every other show or one-off shows or a particular type of show that interests them absolutely fine and then we've got people who come in on a one-off basis it, it's all fine and it's that strength and that variety that's a strength because if so so many theatre companies and again it's another stereotype um have secret precasting to put it um very bluntly where they've decided already before they cast who they're actually going to have and so a lot of people feel disempowered to get involved with a group if they see too much of the same every time so i think it's a real strength to have um new people involved and a sort of swap around of who's the lead on different things as well, because hopefully it shows people on the outside that actually anyone is welcome because they are. Um, yeah, there, there, there is a lot of fighting stereotypes that has to go on. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually want I'm going to come back to that fighting stereotypes in, in a few moments, because I think that's actually a big key in your story from what, from what I know. Um because obviously right now in your how it's all going it's it's a very happy place you you've got success you're doing what you love and you know you're living your dream and i think not many people can say that and i think you know you you're one of them that can say hey i'm living my dream and it's amazing but it wasn't always this way was it no it's um and so, and sometimes it isn't sometimes there are real challenging times um you you do have times where um it's hard to find people to get involved other than that core but if without other people coming in you know it it can't carry on anyway so we're we're permanently um shorthanded with people <laughs> um there's there's a lot of, there there are the stereotypes and that which can well they do affect the ability to get funding they affect the sometimes the ability to get venues or that type of thing um so so there's there's quite a lot of challenge in that way on the other hand yes we are living the dream by creating the type of work and doing what we do, do what we love doing basically um so yeah it's, it's all swings and roundabouts really but th there's been many times quite honestly when i've sat down and thought I need to give this up. I need to walk away and go and get a nine to five. And then I think, well, what would I do in a nine to five um, job? If I gave up acting, 
if I gave up freelancing as a performer, if I gave up the theatre company, if I gave all this up, what would I go and do? And I think, well, actually, I can't imagine doing anything else. So I'm kind of stuck, <laughs> but in a good way. I get that. I mean, would you, I think every artist experiences this. And actually, just as your opinion, would you say being an artist is very much a love-hate relationship with your actual craft? Yes. Oh, it is. Big time. Everyone thinks you love your craft, you beat on it. And it's like, nah, there are days I, I, I want to say no, I don't want to do this because you feel like crap. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you, you can be very physically tired if you've been rushing around with a lot of things. Um, you can have had a problem arising from one of the stereotypes, which um, can make you feel really, really down and start really questioning yourself. You can have um, days where... Um, so somebody said to you, a, a, a common one I get is because we have to exist on sharing the money made from the ticket sales and that, and we don't have lots and lots of funding coming in. Um, people will say to me, well, why aren't you bothering to get lots of funding in? And that, and I say, well, actually, there's a stack of applications that go out. You know, we're, we're trying, but what people see is that we're not getting it. So you know and and then and then it comes back and you get sort of rocketed for not making an effort this again this is all the sort of outside stuff and you you end up feeling sort of really bad about it and if there's if if you're down with a bad cold or the flu or something there's no one else to pick up the pieces so you so at that point it's quite difficult and you're having to muddle along and Yes, the the amount of times over the years that I've been laid in bed and still working on the laptop and, yeah. With, within creating the theatre uh, group and doing the performances and everything, uh, right at the beginning, right at the beginning, what were some of the more personal challenges that you yourself experienced within this journey? Um, I think it was... One that actually I find goes on forever, it doesn't matter how long you've been at this, is um, always having to be willing and able to learn um, new skills, new ways of doing things, keeping up to date with um, changes in the theatre acting industry, not just for yourself, um, but also for everybody else that you're working with as well. Because when you're basically the admin for a theatre company, you're also the one who's responsible for everybody else's well-being, safety, the success of the show. Um, and in many ways, the your professional reputation and other people's as well. So so there's actually, when, when you break it down, a lot of um, things to consider. And again, so, some days it's it's absolutely fine and you think, yes, I can do this. Other days... Not really, but that's not. It's not so much a beginning challenge. That's a challenge that goes on forever. I think the personal challenge when I started um, was it didn't feel a challenge at the time, but I think there was still a lot of starry-eyed idealism um, going there because I can remember saying things like, "Oh, in ten years, I bet we'll be performing in London and doing stuff like that." Well, we're seventeen years on, and other than streaming, we stream globally, but as for physical performances, oh no. <laughs> but everyone has that, you know. Everyone starts with that intention. I think it's a good thing. But you, you don't think you're just you're there quite yet. Is but is that something you're trying to aim for right now? Oh yes, yeah. It's it's um it's still something that 
I'd jump on that if we had the opportunity, and it's not so much with venues, it's more the logistics and the costs of getting everyone there. Um, then, oh yes, we'd, we'd go for it immediately. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to hold back on when opportunities come. And in fact, I'm always looking for them and searching them out. And, and networking, talking to people is almost a daily task. I can imagine, I can imagine. I guess the other thing I wanna I wanna talk about is um, obviously you're very unique in the in the respect of you're making theatre and everything else. And one of the challenges I believe you might have experienced is with your autism. Yes, um, I, I I mean a lot. They say a lot of autistic people have a passion in life, a special interest, a real focus, and mine is most definitely acting and theatre. Um, so on a sort of focus space, that's not so much a problem. I think where it gets challenging is um, the interpersonal communications, because wh- when, I, when I started, I wasn't very open about being autistic. I wouldn't um, say, say about that to a lot of people. And so people would automatically go, well, Laura's a bit weird, she's a bit eccentric, and that. And... Unfortunately, sometimes people would see that as a bad thing or go, well, Laura's um, acting slightly differently than we'd expect. Maybe that's something bad. Maybe she's up to something. So I'd get sort of told off for doing things that I didn't even know I'd done. And I've, and to this day, I've still not worked out what actually I was supposed to have done because of that difference. Um, people are very understandably in... Um, theatre and performance, because of all the scammers, the very dodgy things that happen, people are always on their guard, you know, and they're looking for that thing that's a little bit different, that's a little bit out of place, and that's a big red flag. Again, highly understandably so. When I decided to be open about it, which was a lot more recently, I found then that, yeah, yes, you still get um, stereotyping and negative reactions, but there were a lot less. People were like, oh, that's why. That's why. And actually, this works, this approach. Now we understand the why, this approach actually works, it's fine. So there there are benefits to it. Um, There is also a big benefit that because of the differences, we tend to people watch a lot. And so you're watching how people react um, body language, facial expressions, tone of voice in this, probably a lot more consciously. And that is then very useful both as an actor and as a director um, for creating characters and directing performance and creating performance. So I think there are a lot of strengths in there, actually. So you would definitely see your, your autism as a big asset more than a hindrance. Yes, yeah. Because that's very important. A lot of people don't see that. No, I think... I, I, I've always seen thinking outside the box, which is what it boils down to, as a strength. I think it it can be difficult when I'm going into meetings, networking events, and it, especially sort of something very corporate or very formal. Then it sort of falls down a little bit because then sort of anxiety, worries about appearing professional sort of almost take over. And sometimes I end up sort of barely saying a word and then then that really doesn't help. So there are weaknesses to it, but there are a lot of strengths. 
Okay, I see. That's that's actually amazing. Okay, if, if that's the case, I guess what I want to know is, so uh, you said you're from Devon, and I'm assuming that's where the company actually does a lot of its work in Devon. Yes, we have our rehearsals here in Brixham in a local community centre, and then we perform usually the first performance. Not always, it's slightly, it does change slightly from some shows, in our local theatre in Brixham, and then we go out to other venues around South Devon. We ha- we have pushed the bounds up to Bristol and into Cornwall, but after last summer, with all the costs and that of everything going up, we had to scale it back and say, this is financially unsustainable. We can't raise the money for a minibus to go to Bristol or down to Penzance. It's just, it's not even just not feasible. The money doesn't exist because we exist fundraising with secondhand bits on eBay and sponsored walks and these sorts of things. So you so you can't um, go. You can't afford to go further afield. So um, yes, at the moment. We're physically stuck in South Devon and we do our work here. But um, on the very plus side, what we have discovered is streaming online. We film our shows. We we don't stream live, but we record them. Then we put nice titles, nice credits on the end, and then we make them available online. And that's where we can then reach national and international audiences. So, yeah, we we might be stuck physically, but we're working on reaching people in other ways around the world. You're always thinking ahead. I think that's an amazing quality to have. Doesn't matter what you do, the 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 ability to think ahead and find solutions, regardless of what you do, that is more important. And I think the key thing to have when you have challenges. I mean, find a way around them, and you're a spitting image of that. So that's amazing. How did the actual environment, how did the people of Devon take to that? So we found it's very much a case of having to prove yourself. Um, When we started, we started in the back room of a social club, which now doesn't exist. And um, initially it was viewed very much as something very odd, to be fair. Sometimes we'd turn up to rehearse and find that the room had been booked out to somebody else because people weren't sort of because oh well it's just the drama group you know they can go somewhere else um we had when we did our first show i think we performed to about five people and it was all a case of building that reputation up and just keep and keeping on pushing because um one of the things down here and one of the other very good things about doing classical literature history and that type of thing is that people will um mainly be attracted to things they, where they know what to expect. They know what to expect with the organisation. They know what to expect with the story. So if you do something that people don't automatically recognise, they will, well, you just won't get the audiences. You won't get the interest. The same actually goes with casting and crewing as well for it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you've, you've just got to, you've got to keep building up, building up that reputation constantly, creating the work and showing the feedback from last time. Okay, I'm with you. One of the things I discovered about Devon, it's um, it's a very nice place, I agree. Very scenic, very nice, peaceful. But there were a few things I saw in the news about Devon, particularly in Plymouth, the Plymouth side of Devon, where there was racism and the Black Lives Matter movement happened. 
and um, I saw videos and documentaries about it and everything. How did that make you feel when that actually happened? And did that inspire any of your work? Um, it's not really linked in particularly. I think in some ways we were ahead of the curve because we've always been very inclusive to people of any background, any ethnicity. And that's been the rule from day one when we started. Um, and I think it was more vindication that actually other people do, do feel that way. You do get pushback sometimes. We've just done a production of Beowulf, which is an old um, Viking Saxon legend. And the fact that we openly said we're open to all ethnicities, all backgrounds and that type of thing did get some pushback from, I think, fairly far, far right minded people who said, well, you know, you're an affront to the legend. Why are you doing this? It's all a load of woke nonsense and that so um so those sort of racist vibes um certainly exist down here and i think there's a lot of denial sometimes that it's happening but i think in the past year uh, particularly more people are talking about it and it's it's coming to the fore and i think people are getting a little bit more open-minded to be brutally honest about it as well if they are opening their minds that's the big thing in that respect, then within 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 your production, the performances you do, um, do you do any work that might actually explore racism at all, or uh, explore any of these themes even now? As a general rule, it's not really a topic within the plays. However, um, with um, adaptations of classical literature, Shakespeare, and stuff like that. Um, sometimes terminology is used and language is used which is fairly outdated and in that case I, I, I certainly give a warning to say this is from a particular um, background. Having said that, last summer we did a stage production of Ben-Hur which is of course set in Roman-occupied um, what is now Israel, Judea and within the plot line of that, in fact, one of the driving forces um, within the story um, is racism and anti-Semitism against the main character. So I think, although it's not um, something that we um, focus upon as a topic for shows, I think sometimes it comes comes into the stories. And my one real ground rule on it is that it can it cannot be a desirable trait. It can't be a trait that is seen as um, part of a good character or something that um, isn't challenged within the story. So if a character says something um, racist or discriminatory or does something like that, then you also see the portrayal of that being challenged or some kind of comeuppance is too strong, but a kind of um, challenging of that and it being shown to be a very negative thing. So, that, so while it's not while it's not a um, important thing within the plays, really, um, it's there's certainly a ground rule about how it's treated when it does show up in the stories. Okay, I, I understand that. In that respect, then, have you personally ever experienced racism in your area? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, in wider life, um, 
absolutely because i'm mixed race people make all sorts of the, the, the assumptions i could be from about 10 different places around the planet <laughs> um, according to the assumptions and so, sometimes you'll get people very surprised that i speak with an english accent um you'll get people sometimes come up and say um, I've had people down here on holiday um, come up to me in the street and say, oh, we were trying to get away from all this multicultural nonsense and here you are wandering around, that type of um, that type of approach, which, yeah, I usually give a cheeky answer back and say, well, you know, I was born close by here. What are you? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm more local than you are. Why are you coming out with this? And that usually shuts them up because, of course, they've been looking at a stereotype that's... Um, not sort of worked out um there there are assumptions about you know you you won't speak the language you won't understand you don't know what you're doing and that that are born from that um i i saw a slight increase of that when um we when we've done shakespeare for example of all that language must be too challenging for you hang on no it isn't um obviously i me i mentioned the reactions to doing beowulf and um, some of that was back against me as well. Um, and I mean, to be fair, the person that was attacking me for directing it um, got thrown out of the Facebook group that they were doing it on pretty quickly by the admins. Oh yes, yeah, but but it still occurred. Yeah. So oh oh yes, it happens. Um, a local cultural thing I have to say is that people will deny there's anything like that in the area, and then so many people. Um, especially those of a not totally white background will turn around and say, "Well, hang on, I've experienced this, that, and the other." So yeah, so it, it's not it's not done to say it happens locally, but it does. <laughs> the other question I had then is, um, with with regards to, I guess, the experience of racism and people how they treated you because of um, your autism or anything like that. Is that still ongoing, or has that actually significantly reduced? Oh no, I, I think that I think that'll happen for eternity. In all honesty, yes. Once people once people get to know me, it sort of goes out of the window. And I've even had people who've initially been a little bit, you know, off with it, and then as time's gone on, they've sort of totally relaxed, and it's all been fine, you know. Um, but then obviously, there's new people who don't know. There's people with preconceptions. There's people who have negative views about it for whatever reason. So, yes, I, I think it, there will always be a level of it. And that, and it's just, yeah, it's just a part of life, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't, but, yeah. Do, do those experiences actually affect or influence your work at all? Um, on the creative side, they don't. But I do sometimes think that um, because of that, you have to work extra hard to prove you do know what you're doing. So in in that way, I, th I think um, some, sometimes it can be a driving force to have have to prove yourself more. It's, it's never the good thing. I completely understand. Well, I guess in that, in that respect, then, so, so how do you think you have developed from actually taking this sort of stuff and when it when it first started happening to you to now how how was that journey in 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 accepting yourself and understanding it does you know you are who you are i think the first point um i was 
very much wondering, was it something personal that I was doing wrong? And I spent a lot of time um, sort of examining whatever it whatever I was doing, even down to the point of getting really stressed out about, am I walking down the road correctly? You know, I was really getting quite paranoid about it. And then I started talking to other creatives, um, both in the UK and in the USA, and then finding actually this stuff happens to other people. It's not as personal. It's not just a just me thing that I need to work on. It's something something on a bigger scale. And that in many ways, actually helped. It's probably a very con controversial thing to say, um, because especially where there's a lot more racism in America, and that you talk, you talk to people about this and they say, well, you know, you shouldn't even be thinking like that. But where in America they'll say, okay, a person, uh, people who are racist need to fully accept that other people aren't like them, and I fully agree with that, um, and that a person of colour shouldn't be trying to fit in. Sort of the, This is the American take on it um, that I've heard, um, and that white people should just turn round and accept. Um, I find in a very non-diverse area that you've also got to, as a person who's not white, you've got to, um, sometimes you've got to be the one to reach out and start making that bridge. Um, because again, there are assumptions that over here that people are trying not to fit in. So no, no, I understand. I can understand what you mean. How would you go about making that bridge? Do you know it's the the simplest things. It's being out and about. It's people seeing you as a local in the immediate area. It's going to a coffee shop. It's wandering around with the posters it's popping in and out of the shops it's stopping and talking to people it's that sort of thing that starts creating that bridge yeah that that's the simplest way to do it of course i also guess have a bit of a, a bit of an obvious question theater means everything to you it's quite clear to see and you have your own theater company when you understand and you sort of realize you have your own theater company do you ever just sort of sit back and let it simmer in your head, your successes and your journey? I've I've always said that I, I love the successes and I'm incredibly happy with them. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. Do you know what I mean? I'll always be looking for the, those new ways to improve on what we're doing. Um, so fee feedback about what went really well in the show this is especially from audiences as well as from people involved in acting and creative um, on the acting and creative side um feedback about what worked really well what we can improve on is always really useful now i'll take some things and work with it other things i'll go oh i really don't agree with that you know um but ultimately i i'm always looking for those new ways and new things to strive for so, yeah, <laughs> I, I've, I've said I don't think I'd be satisfied if we had um, Oscars every year and a queue of people down the road for every show. You know, I'd, I'd still be then looking at what can we expand? How can we build from that? I think that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, OK, through all of this, uh, through, through creating theatre, through through understanding who you are and everything. How have you actually from childhood grown as a person? I think. 
it, it would have been very easy with a lot of negative experiences, I think, to become very angry and bitter and that. Um, and I've seen other people who've had difficult experiences in life do just that. I think it's very important to be conscious of that and keep overall, for all the difficult times and all the times that one's not positive, I think it's important to keep an overall positive, optimistic view on things. Um, I've also learnt how to a lot of how to say no instead of being a people pleaser without asking questions. I'm still a people pleaser, but now I do say no, I do ask questions. And that uh, it's all, for me, learning by experience, I have to say. Um, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not sure what sort of a person I'd be if I wasn't involved in this type of thing. Um... I'd probably be some very sort of alternative hippie out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one reason I've done this show. If you were to give one piece of advice to someone listening who is going through a similar journey, um, but maybe only starting out or is stuck in within their theatre journey or arts journey, and they might be experiencing similar problems to you, they might have autism they might not understand certain things or you know they don't know where to go from where they are um what advice would you give them from your own personal learnings um i'd i'd say first of all whatever you do don't give up on it don't throw your dreams out because you've hit a difficult point or a sticking point because we we all hit them and sometimes they are massive sometimes there are times you can't see a way through it and you don't know whether you're go whether you're coming or going, and you're ending up in the doctors on meds, all sorts of things from it. Um, I think the important thing to remember is that ultimately a way through will come, and it's a case of looking creatively at what you can do. For example, um, where we can't tour nationally or internationally because of the finances, um, we've looked at streaming. There, there's often creative ways of doing things um, to get the work out there. Sometimes it's a case of going into a Facebook forum on that particular aspect and saying, hey guys, I'm struggling with this question. What do you think? And yes, you'll get all sorts of silly answers and that, but then there might be one or two people who suggest something and you think, hang on, this could lead to a different idea and a different approach. So ne never ever be fearful of reaching out for ideas and talking to people and networking um and i think the other very important thing is um ethics i think if you're somebody who's not ethical you're looking to use everyone else for whatever your dream your idea is i think um it will fail i think if you're doing yes what you want to do but you're also taking into account what other people um, want to achieve other people's well-being positive outcomes for other people to help them on their journeys I think that's the way you're going to build a really nice lovely collaborative trustworthy group where ultimately everyone benefits and again within that you'll have people willing to share ideas and ways through so Yes, there are sticking points, but 
I think sometimes you've literally just got to trust in the fact that you will find a way through as long as you you don't just give in to a black pit of despair that you really are um you 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 really are going to eventually find a way through and problem solve you might my other half with life issues and that and things sometimes will just take a walk to clear his head and then oh there's a solution to the problem there's the way through it will just come to mind and follow up on it thank you for your story These lessons that Laura has learned can be applied to your life regardless of if you're an artist or not. You see, you can only be successful in something if you truly love it. And that means loving your work more than hating it. What you think is a negative thing could actually be your biggest strength. You know, it could be the people that doubt you and curse you and make your life a living hell. They could be a massive blessing because they could give you the strength to stand up for yourself. How? Because they can help you find your true power. Understand what you stand for. Always do what you love and do it with the view of making yours and someone else's life better. Always work selflessly. If you like this episode, then please share it with someone who you think needs to listen to this. As always, I'm Zafran Ahmed, and this is Whispers in the Wind, giving your stories a voice. Thank you for listening.